Okatan takes on Moff Gideon. Grogu proves his worth. The battle for Mandalore comes to a close and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap chapter 24 of The Mandalorian. All right, we are back here on the Sky Guys recapping the season finale of the book of, uh, of not the book of Boba Fett, the, of the Mandalorian. Although this did feel like a bit of a book of Boba Fett kind of season for this show. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Also with me today, the man's voice you hear the narration every single week. Pete Costor is here. Pete, how are you? You scared the shit out of me. I thought I watched the wrong show. I was like, wait a minute, we're doing this again? I Oh, man. Hey, listen, what a finale. Uh, really, really glad to be here and talk to you guys about uh, a lot of things. The character draft, how that turned out. Talk to you about the finale itself. Talk to you about the future of The Mandalorian in upcoming episodes. So I'm definitely excited for this episode and moving forward here. Yeah, and spoiler alert for the character draft. It is not resolved as, as of the end of the season. That means I win. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, also with us here today, uh, the leader of the Great Forge, Nick Freyetta, is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Uh, had a nice episode here to wrap things up. What a finale it was, and very excited to discuss it. Yeah, a lot to discuss here, and we're going to point out here, I'm, I'm, Nick, I mentioned at the top of the show, next week we're going to do a full Season 3 discussion with uh, Mike Brush's tradition here on the podcast. We're going to recap all of Mandalorian Season 3. I feel like we have issues of the season as a whole. We're going to do our best to separate the issues of the season with this episode, which we all agree I think is pretty stellar. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Pete. Mike, I... I um... So you've got to say, usually when you intro us, you show off as someone who's joining you, a brickhead or something? Not yet. No? We haven't gotten the plugs yet. Okay. Yeah, so now it says we'll do those plugs here. So, Pete, one more time. Pete, while I subscribe to us, they can do it on the, on the Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all usual suspects. Simply search the Sky Guys here at Podcast, Platform, Final Episodes there. And for all you guys listening to the Justin the Suffering feed, after next week, we're going to disappear until Ahsoka. So you want to keep up what we're doing in the offseason, you got to hop on board. Yeah, we're, we're definitely disappearing if you're not subscribed. So if you want to keep us in your car, in your home, in your office, make sure you're subscribed. You're going to miss a lot of content. We're talking about a lot of stuff. You may miss some Easter eggs that, you know, Nick and Mike always kind of pull out of their, you know, hat every once in a while. Um, you're going to miss all the prep work that you need probably for the Ahsoka show and also other shows that are coming up. So definitely subscribe. If you're not subscribed, uh, I'm very sad. It's going to make me very sad. So do it for me, at least, you know. Yeah, do it for Pete here. And Nick, if you want to follow us on social media, how can they do that? You can follow at Sky Guys Podcast. That's both on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah, and right now I'm planning on cooking up some new content for the Instagram, like starting with this episode. So we'll have some new looks for you guys. So make sure you get on the, the Instagram and check that out. Yeah, awesome. All right, you can also check out the YouTube version, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The graphics of the podcast are up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube, plus our brickhead here. So I'll give a shout to uh, uh, Din Rogu himself is going to be referenced here. So... So I, I have some guests with me. You do? Um, I, yeah, I'm excited to show them off here. And they go from more from most relevant to least relevant in order, to the last one being downright ridiculous. But number one is uh, new Grogu Pop. Oh, Dan Grogu. Dan Grogu Pop with the cookies. Yep. Uh, that one's pretty relevant considering he's in the show. Um, number two, which is less relevant, but still some, somewhat relevant, is uh, Fennec. The Fennec Shan pop right here. Soon to be coming to Bad Bad. And the last three. one, 
Yeah, and the last one is um, probably the most ridiculous pop I have ever seen, which is why I bought it. I, I bought the Grogu one online, but I bought the Fennec and this one in the store, actually saw it. It is Roken. <laughs> I have the Roken pop. I, <laughs> he was on the shelf with Fennec, and they were in five below. They were $4 each, so I have Roken now. Yeah, you got to pull the Roken out every time somebody does a heel turn on the, on the uh, Star Wars shows. I have the the Roken pop, and I still don't have a Cad Bane pop. Yeah, well, we're good. Like I said, with Safi, the Cad Bane pop discussion, if I could go to next week with Mike Bryson, I have to break a tie on this one. They have it at Target. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this tie can be broken. I uh, think this tie needs to be drawn over to the next season. Yeah, well, I'm going to make... Uh, oh, I, uh... I, I have a case to make for why I should get it, but like we will discuss. Let Brescia make a call where it's going to be. I get it. You get it. It just carries over to uh, what's what's the next? Oh, over to Ahsoka. Oh no, I think we're giving too much power to Brescia. He kind of screwed me over in the last one, and I. Uh, I mean, it comes down to when well, me and Pete had our had our tie. It was a lot of characters versus one character multiple. This is just we both had one char- one character showed up three times. To me, that's just a tie. But that's why we have him on. Yeah, we'll discuss. I'll give, I'll give you my argument like in the we get to the character draft section here. But Nick, you want to go over a little bit of Star Wars news we got here? Uh, sure. I'm actually gonna um, keep this short because I want to get into this episode here. So there's rumors about target release dates for the movies. Um, the the movies that were announced at Celebration, the Ray movie target release date 2025. Um, the Filoni one would be 2026. Honestly, doubt it. I was. I, I mean, maybe one of them twenty five, the other one twenty seven, the other one twenty nine. I really doubt twenty six. We're gonna have our second movie. Yeah, I think P. I want to get your pick. Take us real quick here. Would it bother you if we the Filoni movie was here that fast? It would. It would. I think if the Filoni movie is supposed to be what it it's been marketed as. I mean, as as little marketing it has. I think that would be bad. I think it should wait until everything and a lot of story is flushed out to have this momentous kind of ending to the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all those kind of shows. So I, I would be pretty upset if Filoni movie came midway through versus toward the end. Yeah, my worry is that this would be like, I don't know if you remember the Marvel Netflix universe, how they built the Defenders and then they did that and they kind of just, okay, you know, let's we'll keep going on. We sort of didn't really have a plan. They all got canceled right afterwards. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, no, we'll I see. I I doubt we get our regardless of the, whether this one comes early or not. I doubt our second movie of the three comes in three years. Yeah, I doubt that too. That seems absolutely crazy to me. I would be shocked if we got the first one actually. It doesn't twenty five. So we'll go take it one movie at a time. That, the last piece here is just um, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Kathleen Kennedy downplays a potential live action cameo or live action Calcasta show rather. And also does not mention the Bad Bath when discussing animation. Yeah, I do think the second one was very weird to me because like she went on a big thing. Like, oh, Visions is great. And like, you have a cartoon that's in the same family as ba- as Rebels and Clone Wars. You're not even mentioning it. This tells you proves next point. They don't really care about that show. And I also think it's because the show's not coming up. Why mention it? Talk about the show that's coming up so people watch it. Well, I mean, you have two full seasons of that on there. That's true. It's not like it's not like it's gone. That's a good point. Yeah, and Cal Kestis, P. I do feel like that. I don't think Star Wars wants to step on their toe, toes. The video game playing because this if Jedi Survivor sells as much as it's going to. I think they want don't want to steal story for the TV show. And they can make like fistfuls of money on the video game. I mean, uh, they're doing a. They did the Last of Us show. 
They're doing a Gears of War movie or show. I believe they're doing a God of War movie or show. So in the future, I think it would be good. But I do think you need some time, you know, to buffer video game sales versus the show's marketing and the ad sales and stuff like that for that one. I don't see it being a problem, though. I, I still see it being successful. Uh, successful, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, last piece of news that I have that I, I just wanted to bring up here is Jedi Survivor comes out next week. It comes out on the 28th. And two pieces of little news with that. One is that I don't know if you guys knew this doesn't impact us, but this is only coming out on next gen consoles. That does not impact me. You I... can't buy if you have a PlayStation. You know, none of us. We all both have. We all have either PlayStation Five or Xboxes or both. The new Xbox that is. But if you have a PlayStation Four, for example, you can't play the game. Yeah, I I pre PlayStation Five pre ordered. Yeah, I know you. You got the five. I mean, I think that's fair. How long ago was the last generation? I mean, eventually you have to phase Almost out three the years old. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been a long time since the original Xbox One and the PS4. So I think not to say it overstated welcome. I think I'm surprised that it didn't switch over quicker. I think it was, um, and so, it's good for the development of the games because you don't have to cater right. to the old. You know, it lets you focus on, and of course, you can also play the game on Windows if you have a PC, but. It, it, it just allows the game to do a little bit more, explore a little bit more. But the, yeah. le, the the big piece that I wanted to touch on with this game is this is the final game published during this will this will be the final game, the final Star Wars game rather published during EA's exclusivity exclusive exclusivity contract with Lucasfilm, which will be expiring at the at later on in this year. So we could be getting Star Wars games outside of EA. We know we are, but we we're getting a lot more of those. I think exclusivity is a very bad thing for video game franchises here, especially all of us who follow sports games. Oh, yeah. It's not because you want competition to to bring out ingenuity in these game makers. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would imagine they just sign another contract, either with EA or another studio, but I hope not. I, I don't think they're going back to EA, or I think they're going to keep a wider, a broader kind of spectrum of, of developers. I The rumors are Ubisoft is going to be developing a open-world Star Wars game. Um, I can't see EA allowing Ubisoft to get a part of their action if they re-sign something. EA, to me, as uh, NHL, Madden, all those games, as a fan of those games, EA does not do well with change. It just seems like they just keep putting out the same stuff with a different roster, with a couple different features that really don't even work until midway through its life. So... Not to say that Jedi Fallen Order was bad. It was a really good game uh, for what I played of it, but I just think EA is not the developer they need to move forward. I think it's going to be crucial for Lucasfilm to, to move on from EA, not to never work with EA again, but to explore Ubisoft, to explore Microsoft Studios, all of those other big names. Yeah, and Nick, I'll mention here as an off-season tease, people who, wanna, who have not subscribed us yet, we're going to basically video game month coming up soon, so we'll talk a lot about video games, Star Wars stuff in about, in about like a month or so. Yeah, with this game coming out in a week, and uh, that's it's going to be exciting. I, I, I know, I think I'm the only one in the Sky Guys who's actually finished the first one. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to finish one, so I'm going to start playing the second one, though, because I'm sure I'll get back to the first eventually. Yeah. All right, great. And that's it for the news? That's it. All right, so let's go ahead here to get some general thoughts here on this finale here. And I got to say, very fun episode. There were a couple of plot point plot holes that drove me crazy, but I think overall I really enjoyed it. How about you guys? I'm ready to combat you on both of your plot holes because I do not agree with them. I'm not because I don't know what the plot holes are. So 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll go ahead here. So just Pete, generally, how do you feel about the episode? I thought it was phenomenal. Um, we talked about this off air. We are strictly talking about this episode. So uh, for those of you listening, please do not mistake maybe our enthusiasm about this finale as we thought the show season total as a whole was fantastic. We're going to be talking about that in a separate episode. If you're not subscribed, you're not going to hear it. Um, but I thought it was fantastic. I think it's everything you want in a finale. I think it was cheesy at the end. We'll talk about that ending. But I think it worked. I think it was a nice little send-off, and I think it sets up season four pretty well. To honestly do a lot of things. They didn't pigeonhole themselves here. So definitely definitely a great episode. Yeah, it's like a very, like, very, they neatly, they, they kind of wrapped it up in a bow. Like, like I guess it does neatly finish here. But, like, there were a few choices here I, I questioned like, at, at the moment. Nick, how about you? Um, I thought the episode was fantastic. I thought it was really well done. It's a, it was a great episode. One of the best this season, if not the best. There's a few things in the episode that I was like thrown away, thrown back, but throw, like, taken away. That was the word I'm look, looking for. Just it's like, uh, I, it's like I was like, wait, yeah, I was like, wait, what? And but, um, a, a nice episode, a good ending to the season, and uh, I'm it. If the goal of this episode was to get me excited to see a season four, I don't want to say it succeeded, but it definitely didn't fail. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not saying here saying, oh, I don't want to want to watch season four. I'm not on the edge of my seat waiting. I think it wrapped up nicely. I can't wait for season four just because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I think it did okay. I think except nice like in that sense. Except nice, we're going back to basic season four a little sense. I feel like we're getting back to like what made the show really cook very well, as opposed to like getting big world building set pieces that sort of didn't, didn't, didn't jar and really didn't fit in in terms of like where his character wants to be. You know, there, there's two major things at the end of the episode that I was just like, what? <laughs> but we will get there at the end. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning here because we pick up really quick from last week that we see Bo-Katan escaping here and she's trying to relate to Axe Woves, like all, all the stuff's going on and how they're ambushed and, we also see that's going on here that Mando right now is trying to like get himself escape. Like Pete, did you like the shot we got of inside his helmet? Like him seeing what was going on. We never really get that perspective. Hundred percent. I I think it it this episode alone, the cinematography was I thought fantastic. I like a lot of the found footage. Well, not found footage. Excuse me. The the handheld camera action that was done in this this episode. I think really helps it in its quality. Um, but I really, I really think it's cool. I think, I think to have that POV perspective of the character, especially one in a suit is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And we do find out, Nick that he's trying to get away and then looking in trouble. And all of a sudden here, Grogu was very slipped away from all the Mandalorians that were, he was with when Grogu, when Din gets captured and he's going to basically freeze him with the IG 12 suit. I think the first part bothered me more. That was one, this is one of the two plows where everything pees like how the hell did Gro- they both not notice that Grogu just dips on them. I, Nick's made a great point offline, like, hey, you know, the chaos and so on, I can get that, but, like, how the hell did he find I think they're running, they're running for their lives. I don't think it's, it's, it's weird at all that they wouldn't notice. How did, how did Grogu find himself fast, though? I don't know how big that, that place is. I don't think it's something that we can really assume we know. Like, for all we know, it was just, like, there's two hallways, and he ran down one of them, and he wasn't there. It's like, oh, I guess he's in the other one. Mike. We don't really know, we don't really know that how that place works on the inside, the blueprints. So, Mike, I'm just going to throw this out there, and I've done this before. I need you to keep in mind that we're watching a show about a 
alien race that wears bulletproof armor that can fly with jetpacks and uses a dark saber. <laughs> like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's like he got found him so fast. It's like, okay, we question that, but we don't question how they travel at light speed with whales. So I, I think I agree with you, but I think we should keep that in the back of our heads. Yeah, I could also, you guys also maybe use the force and sense, sense in and just said, okay, that's the way I go find him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's plenty of ways you could explain it, and I think a, a true plot hole can't be explained. Yeah, that that's why I'll get to the other true plot hole in a minute here. I did like this fight sequence here, and I do think we'll try to break this into parts here just to make it easier to flow here. You want to stick? You want to start with the Mando stuff? You want to start with the Bo Katan other half of the Mandalorian crop? Right? Start with the Bo stuff. You want to start with the Bo stuff? We'll start with the Bo stuff. Yeah. All right, so this is going to be we'll go to plot hole number two here, real quick here, because Bo Katan. It talks to Axe Woes and Pete. Remember in episode four when the Mandalorians trying to chase Ragnar and their jetpacks ran out of fuel like halfway across the valley? He has the hybrid model. He gets more miles <laughs> per gallon, Mike. Yeah, I say he, somehow Axe Woes can fly from an underground cave into space. He's got solar panels on his helmet that charge um, the pa- the pack on his back. That's how it works. I'm very. I I, I don't live in the plot hole at all, actually, because I mean, like. If you're driving down the street to go to the pizzeria, you can get there on a quarter tank. And if you're preparing for a road trip, you fill up your car with gas. I don't think it's hard to believe. We know we're going into battle. Let's make sure our jetpacks are are fully fueled. I don't think that's like really hard to believe. And they wouldn't have been when they were just chilling at home. They wouldn't have been like fully filled or prior training session because that's what they were all doing when Ragnar gets caught. I don't think so. I don't think they would have been fully fueled. I don't think that. I don't. I don't think it's it's unbelievable whatsoever. Honestly. Because I just feel it the way because, like, Paz Vizsla said that at one point when they were having that situation going on. They're like, hey, like, you know, like, our fuel range doesn't, like, doesn't re- allow us to reach that uh, creature's cave. And Bokin has to use the ship to go there. That's why I said the fuel range seems, like, very different for Axe. Well, you also don't know if he has the same jetpack that the children of the watch have. Hybrid model. Yes, he's saying that he, that he is using more fuel-efficient jetpacks. 100%. Maybe. We, I mean, it's not something that we know for sure he's not. And if we knew for sure he's not, or we know for sure that he is using the same one, then it's something that I can say, yeah, that's 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 a plot hole. That's not right. But we don't know for sure what kind of jetpacks they use. They don't know right. for sure if he had filled up his fuel prior. And I feel like unless we know for sure, we can't really say it's an issue. Well, I'll tell you this. Paz Vizsla has a mini gun that never runs out of ammo, and the Mandalorians have other Mandalorians have pistols. One has a dark saber. I mean, we don't know what kind of technology gets around. Maybe he has something that doesn't use fuel. It just uses some sort of magic to be or fit. the force or something. You know, I don't know. But fuel wasn't a. Th- Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I am. Was fuel ever a thing in the original trilogy? Uh, uh, I think maybe the Millennium right? Falcon. That would maybe the only time. I don't think it was fuel that was the issue. I think it was it was hyperspace, and then was fuel even a thing in the prequels? No. Fuel- Wait, are we are we certain? I know we messed. We we joked around about the fourth episode. Are we certain? Did this someone say they ran out of fuel? Yeah, they. they Paz specifically says like our fuel. Like we don't have the fuel range to go all the way out to the creature's base. I yeah. say, I say. That's why it bothered me. If he just said like, oh, like he got way too fast. Like, okay, I can buy that. But like now we simply have one guy saying, oh, like. We ran out of fuel, and then we have a guy jetting into space with fuel. But anyway, I'll put, I'll put that one aside. He had, he had more fuel. Okay, well, well, we'll chalk that up to 
uh, magical fuel, maybe Pete's hybrid uh, solar panel fuel uh, modular here. But like, could have been a longer distance. We don't really know the full distance. It could have been like halfway across the planet. Uh, you know, the in the for in the in chapter four, and you know, going up. Maybe it's not as we don't know how tall, how high the atmosphere is in Mandalore. You know. Yes, yeah, so anyway, we follow the Axe Woe's plan, Nick. We see he goes back on the light cruiser. He sends all the nameless uh, red shirt Mandalorians onto the, the drop fires to go help. And he decides, I'm going to keep my ship up here as a decoy. And for a second, Nick, I thought this was going to be, oh, Axe Woe's the traitor. He's going to get rid of all the people and they turn on them. But no, he's just a good guy. And he decides to, you know, just take down all of Moff Gideon's TIE fighters. Now, I'm glad he wasn't the, the, the bad guy because it was getting a little. I don't want to say obvious, but it was all over the internet that Axwell was going to turn on the crew. Like every single thing I'm reading on Reddit, it's everyone saying, well, the armor, of course, and Axwell as the potential villains. And I'm like, I don't want everyone to be right. Because if, if we can all predict it with an episode to go, then they didn't do their jobs as writers to keep us on the edge of our seat. I think and I'm glad it wasn't him. I think Axwell would have been unsatisfying because I feel like that one would have been like very obvious, whereas like. They had laid a lot of groundwork with the armor repeat where we could have bought it that like she was secretly like making deals with the Empire to like for her own self-interest. Whereas the actual has been out of left feeling, oh, we need a spy. But ta-da. Yeah, it, yeah it, it would definitely be the lazy option to have Axwell be the spy. I mean, I can understand because he's been off screen for half a season, maybe more from season two. Um, I, I still think we're going to get what we want when it comes to the armor. I still think there's something fishy going on with her. Same. Yeah. And before the armor also shows back up, Nick. So the moment temporarily def like, uh, defeating your theory that she is like, like what's like Rook cast. You were saying she was, and that she was a secret Maldalorian. I still think she is, but for the moment doesn't appear. Yeah. For, for the moment, it looks like she was being completely truthful this season, her intentions. She comes flying in. With Thor's hammer and takes people out. Yep. That was fun. And I also want to touch real quick before we get to the big battles with the jetpacks. I did think that was a great fight, but like Pete, like I did like the moment where we see that like the the surviving Mandalorians on the planet took them underground. And apparently now they actually are able to grow plant life on the planet again, which I know was a big issue. I think at Clone Wars talking about like wanting to give them a more sustainable society. So like pretty cool for them to sneak that one little scene in as a respite between all the battle action. It was nice. I think it it sets up the whole point of them being able to retake Mandalore and having some hope of rebuilding it. I think that was the first foreshadowing moment of we can we can actually rebuild this if we can retake it. Um, so, so I think that was nice. I think that was a really nice touch for the beginning of the episode. Yeah, that um, to me when I see actually I don't know if you guys were the same, but when I first watched the episode on Disney Plus, it just said Chapter Twenty Four. Did not say the name of the episode. It's been doing for that for me for the past four episodes. Yeah, on the main. It depends on how early. On if the you main, watch it early enough. Yeah. On the main menu, you're talking about, right? Not in the actual show. Yeah, in the main menu. Right. Yeah. So when I, I watched the episode, I didn't know what it was called at first. And then the title card pops up and it says The Return. And I'm thinking, what is The Return? Who's returning? Who could this be? This is The Return. It's The Return of the Mandalorians to Mandalore. So, really quick question for you guys since we're on the topic of Disney Plus. When I open my Disney Plus, it automatically goes to Mandalorian. Does it do that for you guys? It does if I watch on my TV because. Right. Is that, is that, yeah, but if I watch on my iPad, which I usually do, it does not. So, on my Fire TV, even if I exit out of everything and back out all the way, the next time I open up Disney Plus, Mandalorian's card just comes up yep. and it's boom, next episode. I'm like, what? It does that. It does that. 
that on my Fire TV as well. I think it must be. I like, don't know if that's a glitch or. I might be. Maybe something like if you're only watching that show, it just assumes, oh, you're back for the next one. Here you go. Because like I watch multiple yeah, things. Yeah, maybe so it doesn't do maybe that for Disney me. Plus has. Yeah, maybe Disney Plus has an algorithm in it that's yeah. like, hey, this is what you've been watching recently on Wednesday, so we're just going to get you right there. But uh, I don't know. Definitely interesting for sure here. And I will say, point on Nick, the title of the return, like when it came up on the thing, like my mind not go to the Mandalore and turn to Mandalore. My mind went too great. I lost the character draft because the wrong to get a post credit scene. I didn't really know what to expect on the return. I'm thinking, could it be Luke? Could it be Han? Could it be Boba Fett? Could it be Mayfeld? Could it be uh, Grief Carva? Could it, I, I'm just like going through the, the list of every single person and like, who's returning? Who? It's a very on the nose. On Ahsoka, everyone, but it's no, it's the return of the Mandalorians to Mandalore and the unified Mandalorians. Yep, for sure here, and we do get Pete. I have to say, in terms of like the fights episode, like the jetpack fight was easy to highlight the episode to me with the best car stormtroopers flying their jetpacks, and then that one shot of like Bo Katan flying with the dark saber and the armor right next to her with like her hammer and and sickle, like beating people up, like that was awesome. I mean, I I liked all the fight scenes. I think each one has its own unique flair, and I love them all, to be honest with you. I did really like the callback to Clone Wars because doesn't Bo-Katan fly with the Darksaber usually in the Clone Wars? Um, I feel like I've seen that before. I know pre so I thought it was a good callback. I think pre did. I don't know if she oh, did. Maybe maybe that's who I'm thinking of, but it was a nice little callback of this is how the Mandalorians fight with the Darksaber. Um, I also think it's crazy how... Dinjarin can't wield the dark saber very well, but Bo-Katan can fly with it and wield it with no worries. Uh, so I think that was super cool to see. But overall, what a fantastic fight scene! Uh, Nick, what did you think of the jetpack fight? That was awesome. It was, it was awesome. The, these stormtroopers, these best car troopers, I didn't even know what are they called. I, 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 call, I was calling them best car stormtroopers. Well, we'll call them best car troopers. But the best car troopers are a great addition. It's like. The only thing I don't like about it is like when you're holding a lightsaber from this handle, the dark saber and blasters, it does nothing. Yeah. I remember back in the day, back in the day, if you got hit with a lightsaber, you died. That was it. Kenobi or Obi-Wan rather in episode four chops the guy's arm off. That's it. There's no more of that guy in the sequel movies. And all since Disney really took over with star Wars, the lightsaber, like everyone gets hit with a lightsaber and they're fine. Yeah. Cause they always have like happens all the time. You have like those spe- those like electro spears are supposed to combat it, or it's best scar or something. Yeah, everything combats it. Even even people who don't have anything, Reva gets stabbed like six times, and she's living to tell the tale. And, and Kenobi and, and hey, everyone's getting stabbed. Listen, Darth Maul got chopped in half and survived to tell the tale. So a stab, you know, through an extremity may not be as bad as we think. I would never want that. Um, but you also can kind of think of, too, like technology has increased and maybe the Empire learned how to combat those lightsaber swords. You know, maybe the, the best car is the key. Maybe, uh, who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know what, what it is, but I'm, I'm trying to justify it, I guess. No, story-wise, I, th- I think it makes sense story-wise, like you said. It just, it's just annoying to me in terms of real life how it seems like the lightsabers don't do anything anymore. Sure. Yeah, let's also. I think we. I think it's a good place to pause the Boca Tanto because she does show up in the Mando section now. So let's go back and backtrack to Mando. You want to say that? Now? Right, this is this is this is my favorite part. What you're about to talk about? Yeah. So I did think this was also fun when they escape and Mando says here. Although this is one of my nitpicks, there's like plotting with this episode. It's like Mando says like we have to go kill Moff Gideon. Like we have to end this here. And like 
Pete, hasn't this been the theme for the last two finales? Like, we have to stop Moff Gideon. We're doing it again. I mean, yes and no. I think the finale of season one was we have to stop Moff Gideon from getting Grogu. I don't think it's more like we have to stop him what he's doing with the Empire. Uh, season two, I still think, is stopping him from Grogu. This is more like we need to stop him in his tracks now because he's doing a lot of bad stuff, not even involved with Grogu. Um, so I do think it holds a little bit more weight, but I agree with you. It's it's kind of the same finale that we've gotten. It's stop the bad guy. Okay, we stopped the bad guy. Cause, you know, because to me, even the way that they did these two episodes, it felt very much of the season one finale in terms of like we had like very similar shots happening with like especially Grogu later on. We have that. We have the dramatic episode seven where we have the really dour credit music, not in the Mando theme with all the with the black title cards like. It felt like they just sort of merged with season one and two finales and said, oh, we'll do something like it's supposed to be bigger. That's not my feeling with it. You know what it is? And we'll talk about this next week more when we, yeah, when we talk about the whole season as a whole. I don't think with the amount of time they had to get through the amount of content that they did have to, I don't think they could make it bigger. But we'll talk about that more next week. Yeah, for sure here. And Nick, I did think it was fun to see. To bring R5 back in the mix here and have him be the R2. It was like, oh, like you need to unlock the base for me and schematics and doors. I did think that was fun. It was seeing R5, who was historically a coward, seeing him actually show a little bravery here. Yeah, definitely. Good good moment for him. But, I mean, the fight is, is why I'm here. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that fight here in a second. I do think, in terms, I want to mention here, I did see parts of the internet, like, saying, like, where did R5 come from? Like, when did he get there? I'm like, guys, like, you should have listened to us last week. I pointed out he was on the ship in the live action cameos. Yeah, it was a little weird that he was able to get into the base because he wasn't in the base and get in and find his way to where exactly where he needed to be. But that's not, again, we're watching the show with green aliens with big ears. It's not that unbelievable that he could have found his way to the terminal. Well, well I mean, he's also got, like, I mean, I'm sure, like, it's about over a cliff from what it seems like. He's probably just, like, honed in on where Mando was communicating from. and said, okay, let's fly down there and just figure out, find a, find a port. Yes. I do have one plot hole in this episode, and we're going to get to it shortly. Absolutely here. So, in terms of this fight, this is also my, the Mando fight here when he's dealing with the Beskar Stormtroopers. I did think this was a lot of fun, Pete, because we have this scene with the ray shields, and he's like having R5 drop one at a time, and he's basically paying, beating up these Beskar Stormtroopers, picking up different weapons every one he goes through. This felt like very John Wick, this sort of fight sequence. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, this feels very episode one, too, when it's the, the duel of fates, right? I yeah. think this was a, a little bit of a callback to there. Definitely. Um, but very, very cool. I, I like it. I think that it was also cool that the people behind the shield couldn't really see what was going on in the next section. They were just kind of waiting. I thought that was pretty cool because I think there was one shot of the guys from the last shield trying to look through and all they could see was shadows. Yeah. Which, again, very John Wick-esque. Uh, it was definitely a very cool sequence. Overall, just very nicely done. Nick, I know you want to talk about the sequence, so go for it. No, it, was just, it was my favorite part of the episode. It reminded me so much of The Phantom Menace. It was a great fight. Uh, honestly, like you said, he's using weapons. Like, each, like every shield he went through, he picked up another weapon, like you said. And it was just a fantastic fight. He's telling R5, open the next door. Open the next one. I can't lie to you, though. I was terrified when I saw those things. and went, oh, my God, Grogu's going to watch him die. Yeah. Because of what happened to Qui-Gon. Yeah. But good thing they didn't uh, duplicate that. That would have been sad. They subverted the excitation there for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sitting there thinking they're really going to do this again. They're going to have someone. I mean, I wasn't really upset when Qui Gon died because I knew he wasn't going to be in Episode Four anyway. So I knew he, you know, was eventually at some point either going to die or go away. But this would have been different because you don't know what happens to Mando and Grogu and all that, which is the beauty of watching something sequel related instead of prequel related. Is you don't know what's going to happen to the characters. You know exactly what's happening when you watch a prequel. Yep, and then he I don't mean just in Star Wars. I just mean in general with anything. You know who's in the you know who's in the original, so you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know what's plot armor. Yeah, yeah. And now we get the next part here. We got we go through this room, then we get to the next secret room, which is the cloning room that Moff Gideon walks earlier. And Pete, were you surprised that the clones we we that Moff Gideon making are of himself? Um, a little bit because he made such a big to do in that council meeting to say that I'm not obsessed with the clonings you are. Um, it was probably a play to not show, you know, his hand, if you will. Um, so I was a little surprised, but not really because, you know, it kind of makes sense why he wanted Grogu the entire two seasons that we we had prior to this. So um, at least it, it wraps that up to understand what was so special about Grogu and why Moff Gideon himself wanted him. Yeah. Nick, you want to go way in? Yeah, this is my only plot hole in the, in, in the episode that I find is just like a plot hole. <laughs> is We find out right before this, or even a couple minutes before this, that Gideon can track Mando yeah. in the base. Yeah. But he lets him go to his secret cloning facility and destroy it. What's he doing? Like, What is Gideon up to? Like, Why isn't he just going to go and stop him? What, he's just watching? Like, He's just sitting at a chair watching? Like, Go! Don't let it happen. And he left it happen. Yeah, who do I think he went to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is he what is he doing? Like, it's a good fifteen minutes or so that he's just kind of sitting there like Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like way he's like watching the ratio, like, oh, you know, there's six layers of ratios. Man has no weapons, he's dead. And then he watches all of them. I mean, you would imagine I, I don't know. It, it just seems like why wouldn't you go in there and try to stop him? Because that's what you've been working on. Wouldn't you want that to not get blown up? It's certainly a fair point. I think it's up there with my Jeff York argument in terms of the two biggest plot holes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and I did also think it was very like it was very creepy like when Grogu is like looking at one of the Gideon clones and his eyes just open in the in the back of the tank. Like that was like terror legit terrifying. Uh yeah, I don't like jump scares. That got me, but I knew it was coming. It's one of those things. Uh I liked it. I think that's a really cool I feel like Star Wars needs a little, little more horror in its life. I feel like it does need that creepiness a little bit more. Um, I feel like we kind of dabbled in that in episode eight, was it? When Ray is like seeing the dark side and there's kind of some creepy stuff, if I'm remembering that correctly. A little bit, yeah. Um, but I, I, I like it. I like it in Star Wars. I think the dark side and all this stuff should be creepy, should be very terrifying. That's the whole point. The Empire is supposed to be like this. So I liked it. it was very cool. Yeah, and Nick, I also do love Mando's approach. This whole thing is like, you know what? I'm just going to smash everything. I will destroy everything in the room if it worked. <laughs> well, that's what he was doing to those um, those separatist droids a few yeah. episodes ago, if you yeah. remember. Just yeah. kicking them randomly. So that's, that's his thing now. It's just brute force. Yeah. He's blast the pallets, like smash it with whatever weapons are in the room, and all of a sudden, all the, all the Gideon clones are dead. What do you think? Yeah. At least the ones in this facility. We think so. Yeah. So... Can I ask a question about this? Yes. He goes to a console, he does something, and then all the back of the tanks explode. Yeah. So that means that there was a way to have the back of the tanks explode via the console that they designed. Yes. I would imagine some sort of self-destruct 
in case of an emergency. I don't know. Sure, maybe. Like, maybe okay. like, like, maybe makes more sense. Wasn't thinking of that angle. Like maybe the New Republic is, like figures out what's going on there, and they send the entire fleet at, into that base. Says, oh, I can't let them see what we're up to, and they destroy the clones and start over somewhere else. I, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. Like a fail, more of a fail safe kind of deal. Males having to find my smashing buttons. Yeah, a couple fail safes this season with um, who was it? I can't remember the character's name. Uh, but, Hellgate. Uh, Doc Brown. Yeah, Hellgate. Hellgate, that's it. Yeah, he had a little self-destruct button as well. Yeah, that's for sure here. And let's go ahead here. I think now we get to fight night, which is a lot of fun here because the last that next like fifteen minutes we get like various stages of fights between Bo Katan, Mando. Gideon, Grogu, and the Praetorian Guard. Like, I did think it was also fun. Nick, I was sort of switching off with like how different p p groups were fighting with each other. Like, I think that was a very fun twist on the fight angle. Yeah, I love when they do that. Yeah, well, that was that was uh, really interesting because it was just something you never, I'd never really seen before. It's like now I'm gonna fight. Now you're gonna fight. Now we're gonna fight. I don't know. Yeah, that's for sure. Here and Pete, like, which of these fights got your attention the most? Because hmm. I'll, I'll reset here if you, for the audience here. We've got Mando taking on Gideon, and the Praetor Praetorian mm -hmm. Guard shows up here. Grogu nope. distracting the Praetorian Guard to save Mando and fighting them on his own. Bo-Katan coming in to save Mando's ass against Gideon. Then those two, Mando and Grogu taking on the Praetorian Guard, and then just the Bo-Katan and Gideon straight up fight. And then you have all three of them against Gideon, kind of. At the end. Yeah, I... I liked all of them equally, except for Grogu doing his flips to get away from the guards. I, I have nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that it was bad, but it wasn't my favorite. It was the only part that was like, ah, okay. Like, it would have been cool if he, like, would have taken a pipe or something and used the Force and started using it almost like a lightsaber, you know, to show he's growing and using the Force and what he was w doing with Luke wasn't just a complete waste, right? Um Granted, I don't remember if they talk about him not touching a lightsaber yet or anything like that, part of his training within that time in Book of Boba Fett. But I uh, I liked it all. I, I I just think the the Grogu part wasn't my favorite. Still not bad, but not my favorite. I have a defense for the Grogu part if you if you are interested in, the, in that. I mean, of course. Yeah, I feel like we have seen now in Preston here that when you have multiple of these Praetorian guards, they are very hard to beat on your own because Paz is held up for a while with a full Mandalorian armor suit. He gets his ass kicked here. Mando on his own gets his ass kicked. Grogu gets his ass kicked. And the only time we've seen them beat is you work together, like Mando and Grogu and then Rey and Kylo in uh, Episode Eight. I agree with you. The only thing I would say is he is a Jedi or supposed to be a Jedi. Mando, Bo-Katan, Paz Lissa or not. So I thought maybe it'd be a little bit easier for Grogu. Again, no, he's very young at the, the, the ripe age of 50. But I think there is still an angle you can play to make it a little easier for Grogu to defend himself instead of just doing flips and platforming through the air like a video game. That's all. I, I agree with you. I, I think when it comes to the plot, 100%, like, it makes sense. These these guys are supposed to be looked at as these almost unbeatable guards, right? They they walk in. It's super cool when they walk in. It's always in slow-mo, always out of the fog, out of a random corner. Like, they've just been standing there waiting for someone to say, okay, here's your cue. Um, but I think they could have made Grogu look like a little more of a badass to lead into Season 4 with this. Yeah, I, I don't know if we they want badass Grogu. I think they still like having cute Grogu, Nick. I think so. He hasn't spoken yet, and they gave him an opportunity to speak for sure. They're asking him basically, "Can you talk?" And he said, "No," essentially. And at they, the end, but 
and they destroyed his droid suits and go back to flipping and being cute. Yeah, true. Yeah, that was one of the few. I liked all the fights, though. I liked all the fights. I, my favorite fight, though, was uh, Bo-Katan against Gideon. Yeah, there's something we were waiting for a long time because eventually when we heard the stories about like how she doesn't like him, how he backstabbed her, I did think this was a lot of fun. Well, I, I, I think it comes down to is during their fight, he says to her, the Mandalorians are nothing without their, what's the word he uses? Trinkets. Trinkets? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Darkstaber is destroyed, and then they still win. Yeah. yeah. Proving they don't need their little trinkets. Yeah. And... Having the Darksaber destroyed, I think, is really, really symbolic because it shows that she really succeeded with bringing these Mandalorians together and kind of getting rid of their dogmatic views. So the helmet thing, although it's still not gone, a lot of the... There's more acceptance. A lot of the, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them are not following it, like Axe and Casca and Bo-Katan. And, and, the, and the armorer and them are okay with that. That's number one. The dark saber, as a, as this thing where if you reel the dark saber, you're in charge. Like, we don't need a saber for that. Like, let's just put whoever's worthy of being in charge. Like, they're kind of getting over those views, and if you, you know, unfortunately, it's a little too late because if they got rid of these views a while ago. They might not have been wiped out by the empire, but at least better than nothing. Yeah, and Pete, wait, what did you think about the choice to destroy the dark saber? This is something I did not have my bingo card going into the episode here. You just see Gideon basically just smash the middle of this fight with his hand. Um, I think it's like Nick was saying, very powerful. I think it, I mean, I, I, I'm going to mimic Nick here. I think it just shows that they don't need it. Bo-Katan doesn't need it. I think it's a very strong moment for Bo-Katan. I think it's a strong moment for the rest of the, the, um, the covert and, and everyone to know, okay, Darkseer was destroyed. Bo-Katan was still successful in defeating Moff Gideon, which if you want to be technical, technically Axe Woes defeats Moff Gideon, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but it's a very powerful moment for both Gideon and Bo-Katan. Gideon's like, I don't even need this anymore, right? Because he's got this really cool, you know, Gar Saxon-looking Mandalorian suit, right? And then Bo-Katan's like, I don't need this either. I'm going to beat the living hell out of you without it. So it's it's a very powerful moment. It is. I do think also, Nick, because element of like when this thing is destroyed, I do feel like there's like this element of like there's a curse the Mandalorian people is directly tied to the saber in terms of like you know like being tied to the stories like oh whoever wields it has the most power. Then to the point where Maul rules Mandalore for a little bit here, I do think like you know having this destroyed, I think it would be a good sign for these people. So like we're starting anew, and now we're like forging a new way forward. Having to rely on this toy. Agreed. That's what I'm saying. I think it's 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 showing that they've grown as a civilization, as a community, as a as a as a clan, as a cult, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and I do feel bad for the character of Satine, who like this is basically the vision she wanted the planet to be in, and then like she's not. And Mold says he mentioned a live action project. She's not been brought up in any of them, Nick. Oh. You know, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. If you're at least her sister would have given her a name drop. Yeah. But, you know, it is, it is a little sad. I mean, I think at some point, though, and I'm not saying in this case, but at some point, 
you need to understand that the people who are watching the show, you can't keep dropping. Like, not everyone knows this stuff. You can't, like, you shouldn't have to do homework to watch a Star Wars show. And and at some point, they need to realize that. And I think they have realized that. But at some point, they need to keep that up. You you shouldn't have to, like, every single name drop can't be someone that you got to go look up and get it. And read a five, you know, five page Wikipedia article to understand that line. I don't think it would hurt though. Say, oh, like this is what my sister would have wanted. Like you could have even not mentioned any agent. This my sister would have wanted because, like, you could say, like, that's not something that like you don't have to really dive deep to get like, un- enhance the episode. Explaining, say, oh, my sister had different views than I did. That's enough for the casual. I, I gotta be honest with you though. I, I think seventy five to eighty percent of the audience is gonna say she has a sister. And they're going to say, Bo-Katan's sister, and look it up. And it's like they have to do homework to watch the show. And I don't think, I think they're trying to avoid that. Yeah, well, we'll... we'll if it's that. one thing like showing like showing Zeb in the bar or whatever, because it's not important to the story, and it's not something said, it's just a random character. But when you're bringing up characters like that, I don't think people want to go back and research. Yeah, certainly a fair point. Let's get to the destruction of his base here. We see that Axe Woe basically has gotten the ship destroyed. So I'm going on a suicide run to blow the base up. Uh, I was very... I was very happy Pete they subverted the idea of like, oh, like he's gonna just like take himself down on the ship. He has Stacey sets it on autopilot to self-destruct because you know, like, I'm gonna kick the door out on the, on the side here, fly out of here, and make sure I don't die with the ship. I thought that was very clever. I gotta be honest with you, I missed that part because I looked away from my TV for maybe two, three seconds. Yeah. And then when he came back at the end of the episode, I was like, wait a minute, hang on a second. I thought he just Died. threw himself yeah. into the canyon here. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back and I saw that. Um, good, good for Axe. I mean, he he turns out to be a total badass in this this episode. I always thought he was a little whiny with everything going on, and and now he's just like he, he's fighting for Bo and he's he's doing what he needs to do to take back his planet. I thought it was really cool. It was really cool here, and we see that the the ship basically comes in, blows up the base. Moth Gideon is Nick. Is he dead? We we see him get incinerated. Is this the end of the character? Uh, probably not. Um, I'll put it at like 50-50 though, honestly. I, I could see him surviving because he didn't see the body, so that means he's alive. But I can also see him dying because it does It does seem like this is the closing of the book, if you will. We'll open a new book All in right. chapter, or excuse me, not chapter four, in um, season four. Can we touch on the Gideon thing for one second? I did find a tweet online I have to share on the video version that is absolutely hysterical and like, I will get very mad if it's the excuse the, the franchise used to keep Gideon alive. So let me pull this tweet up here. Maybe it wasn't Gideon. Maybe it was one of his clones. This, that basically, this tweet. basically the theory about that's the theory. Here is why. And I'll explain oh, this. Really? Yeah. This is a tweet from uh, at Clone Humor. Hashtag mainline spoilers. Moff Gideon had a mustache in the first two seasons. He didn't have any mustache. He did not have a mustache in season three. The Gideon clones also didn't have any mustaches, which means the Gideon we saw walking around was actually a clone. Therefore, the real Moff Gideon is still alive. And if we are using the mustache to justify bringing John Carlos Petito back, I, I, I mean, come on, Pete. I mean, look, it, it's not far-fetched. I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, I mean, I don't know if Gideon has the fighting skills that we see in this. I also see Gideon getting mad about the clones when he at one point doesn't care about the clones. He also could have just shaved his freaking mustache. Like there's a lot of things that could explain this. And I feel like people are going to grasp for straws. 
My argument that he's still alive is that he's wearing best car armor. And when Din Djarin gets flamethrowered all the time, he's fine. So I feel like unless some rock came and crushed him, if it's only fire, he probably is still alive because the best car probably kept him going. Yeah, Nick, like when you were complaining about doing the homework versus a teen, to, like because now we're going to say like, oh, like face, we have to watch the actor's facial hair. Yeah, I don't think this is real, but I will say this. If I'm him and I got rescued from basically prison, right? Yeah. And I'm going to go back to my job, my 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 empire, my base. The last thing on my mind is I got to shave my mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this maybe this does hold some water because I wouldn't I wouldn't I would like I got to you know, I got to shave now. It's been a while. I, yeah, I think the obvious answer is that Giancarlo Esposito just shaved his mustache. But if that's I mean that's my point. Like if we're if that ends up being the the shoehorn excuse when you say oh like. It was not me, and you see him walk on the season four with a mustache. Like I think that would be my issue. Yeah, if this was like um, not the last episode, and we knew there was something else, I'd be like, "That's not that crazy," because then it's like only a one episode thing with the mustache. You know what I'm saying? But a season ending thing with the mustache—that's that's too much. Yeah, and this does also feel like otherwise. If he's not dead, Pete, we just Cad Bane Moff Gideon. I'm fine with it. <laughs> All right, so that's the Cad Bane mustache theory. It's flowing around Twitter right now in terms of the Star Wars stuff here. So I wanted to, I wanted to point that out here. And that, this will definitely be on Twitter from us at some point, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's great. We'll go ahead to the end of the episode here. A lot of, like, epilogue here. It's about, like, a 10-minute epilogue. So on a 35-minute episode. So we'll get to this stuff here. So we see them at the Living Waters. Ragnar finally gets his... Uh, is Mandalorian baptism completed here, and we find out that Pete Mando has adopted Grogu so that he could be like take, take him on as a Mandalorian apprentice. So, do you like now? You do you mind, it? Pete, if if I take this because this is where mm -hmm. I have my plot hole? Go ahead. I, I, Not I, a plot hole, my complaint. I I know what your complaint is. I just want to get Pete's reaction. I'll get go to you for the complaint. Sure. I I think it's adorable. Why not? I mean, it at least gives Mando look. Din Djarin had no purpose in this season. It gave him purpose again to have in season four. So I say, why not? It's it's a cornball, corny, cheesy ending, but whatever. It's fine with me. Yeah, so Nick, I know exactly um, what you're so, so I, I do want to jump in, though. Something we didn't mention that I think we should is, I'm sorry, Ragnar is his name, right? Yep. They did, if you paid attention to the speech the armorer gave, which is... Um, there's no mention of the helmet at all, which I think is telling. She changed the words. Because she changed the words. There's no mention of the helmet. I think time has advanced a little bit. Maybe that's not a thing anymore. We'll see going forward. But my complaint is Mando adopts Grogu. Mando adopted Grogu in season one. This is, this is not news. Like, not technically sure, but it's like that moment didn't hit for me at all. Because I'm like. To the covert, he didn't, though. I mean, he kind of did. He was a foundling that under his under his watch. Like, right, but I but foundling under says, watch doesn't mean doesn't mean it's his kid. Even in season one, the armorer says to him, "You're like a father to him." Like I think this was already established. Like everyone's been calling him Daddy Mando for years, three like three years of real time. To me, this is so, just like yeah, of course, of course. I have I have son. plot I have plot uh, a plot hole too that I want to ask you guys. Sure, if you guys don't mind. Has Visla's 
kid's name is Ragnar. Yes. Why is Grogu Din Grogu? Why isn't Ragnar Paz Ragnar? Like, if Vizsla is the house name, Jaren should be the house name of Din Jaren. So he should be weird. Grogu Jaren, not Din Grogu. Like like Cree like like Bo Katan Crees and Sapine Crees. Not it's not like like Cree Satine. Right. So so if you look at Paz Visla of House Visla, Visla is the is the family name. Din Jaren would make me think that Jaren is the family name. So if yeah. you adopt Grogu, it's Grogu Jaren, not Din Grogu. Yeah, I would think there's going to be a reason for that. We're going to find out because that's so that's, that, it, that's the only part. It's that so cl- it's such that's such a clear confusion thing you know what i mean yeah, to me it feels a little bit like like uh, if in traditional like asian cultures where like the last name is actually like said first it's sort of like feel like where if like, you go to china like yao ming technically name is ming yao i feel like that's sort of the uh, so then why you know, wasn't it vizsla ragnar or vizsla paz maybe like again maybe it was like maybe it comes back for din's like, culture being a family from where he came from maybe over there his name the last name came yeah first. maybe i'm sure we'll find out right but, it's but the strange, armor is but... from the same moon as din Djarin. sorry nick but the armor is from the same moon so you'd think that they should be calling everyone by whatever I'm not talking it, about... i guess it doesn't really matter it was just something i wanted to ask yeah i'm not talking about that I'm talking about, like back from like his original plan where his original parents were killed by the battle droids like that maybe that culture is where they were where had last names like that Hey, well, I'm sure we'll find out. It is really strange, but I'm sure it'll be touched on because I think everyone's in agreement. Like, wait, what? Wouldn't it be the opposite? Like, I'm sure everyone thought the same way. Yeah, Nick, the thing I thought you were going to point out, I'm surprised you didn't hear, is like there was a point in this conversation where uh, where the armor says to uh, Dan's like, he can't speak. It's like, you have to like get permission from the parents to have him be in the cult. It's like, like oh, I thought for a second they were saying, oh, like maybe this is Nick's favorite plot here where they're going to go find Grogu's Grogu parents. like, nah, they're dead. You can just adopt them. Yeah, I... I... For a while, thought that would be the end of this show, and now I'm starting to think it won't be. But I, I, I think that's still the best, the best plot they could have went by is to try to find his people. But maybe they want to leave it a mystery, which is, I guess, a good thing because it always has been a mystery. But my next thing to point out is the next thing you have written down here. What, what Mando decides to do next? After oh, we also mentioned real quick, they reignite the Great Forge, Bo-Katan, the armorer, and like standing up top, and then we have all the right. Mandalorians interspersed together. A very powerful cultural moment for that for the, for the people, of Mandalore. Yeah, that that's the return right there. Is the return here, and then we get to uh, next here. We see that the armor says you have to take uh, Grogu on adventures, like like your master taught you. So Nick, we're we gonna meet uh, Din's master in season th- season four. I don't know. I guess so. That's an interesting plot point they sort of dropped in there. Yeah, that's not my issue, though. My issue is what, what Mando decides to do next. Yes, yeah, so I'll go to this one first here, because we do find out next that uh, uh, Mando and Grogu go, go to the College of Delphi to go bang with the Rebel people. We see Dave Filoni having a drink at the bar, which is pretty cool. And then I think Rick found you and Deb Chow in the background. So we see that Carson Tave is there, and then he basically says to him, hey, like, off books, like, I'll work for you. He's like, I mean, I will basically be your imperial like bounty hunter. So, what do you think about this? This sucks. This app. If I get another season of Mandalorian jobs in season four, and I had to go through a rushed season three to get to a season four where half the episodes are him bounty hunting, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna lose my mind. I. I this part of the finale makes me. Excited for season four because of a clean slate for the Mandalorian for Din Djarin, so at least he's still important. But I will lose my mind if they don't do, which I hope they do. We'll talk about it next week. We'll lose my mind if we just keep doing this 
Every episode's a different job. Bullcrap. All right, Nick, your turn. So I, I mean, I agree with Pete 100. That's not my point, though. My point here is at the beginning of the show in season one, Mando points out how incompetent the New Republic is and how he would never want to work for them. He says that I believe in the first episode ever. Yeah. And good character development would have been, well, maybe over time he learned to trust them and realize they're good people and then said, I'm going to work for them. All we've learned in the show is the exact opposite, is that they're horrible government. Everything Mando said was true. And then he's like, I'm going to go work for them. It's like, so you hated them. They proved you right. And now you're going, yeah, I guess I'll work for them. That just made no sense to me. I think to me, the difference is, I think like he's not really going to the new Republic. He's going to Carson Taylor to work for him. I think that's my argument to that. Fine. Because like, fine. Because he, I'll, ex- I'll accept that. Because he says like, the, also, the new Republic would not approve of this arrangement. So I'm assuming you will not tell them. I, I I'll also, yeah, I also want to add to that. I think he has an ulterior motive now to get Grogu trained. And I feel like the only way to train him, he sees the opportunity that the new Republic is struggling with these empty, this imperial forces so he's like well i can train grogu and take care of the empire and have my side deal so i think that might be the reason why he's so keen on trying to get involved is because he has to train grogu now yeah i think that makes some sense here and nick i do think this is very i think he made it very clear in the way he spoke he's like like i'm bringing you this deal because i know you're not going to bring the new republic yeah i, I like your your defense there. That's that's fine with me. Because that's the way I read it clearly. He's like, because like he's had nothing but positive interaction with Carson Tava because he helped him fix his ship in season two. He brings him, like, he gives him the information to help save Navarro in season three. He knows that, like, Cara Dune liked him. So, like, you he figures he's got, like, this guy is on the up and up. Yeah. All right. So, I'm with you. Last thing here, we go back to Navarro here. We see that he gets the droid head, uh, the IG droid head's advanced painting from uh, Carson Tava out of the bar. And we see that, like, like, he gets a special cabin from Grief Karga to, you know, like, set up his own base on Navarro when he's just chilling. And we see here that the IG 11 plot hole is probably closely because they have rebuilt IG 11 to be the new marshal. Very cool. I like him being the new marshal. I think that's really cool. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's it was a good Yeah, one. I think it's I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the obsession with him is. I mean I, I know he helped them, but like I don't, I don't see it. it wasn't, to me it wasn't that crazy of a deal. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a good 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 call here. And I will say here, the last part of the episode here, the final shot here, I did think this felt very much like this would be the end of the show. It feels weird as a season finale here where we just see like Mando and Grogu just like chilling at the new at Mando's new place there, and like he's basically being a dad watching his son play with the frogs, and then we get the weird shot of like the close up like screen fade in that we get it several times of like the one everything in blacks up the one shot. That was a weird choice to end the season on because it felt like that was a very serious finale. Yes, shot beat. Uh, I I think it's a storyline finale and i think they also were very cheesy with it it's like you know the son and dad now they're officially son and dad and there they have like a little house in the suburbs or in the outskirts and they you know i, I think that's what they were trying to go for yeah. i think it's supposed to be more a little lighthearted, and i think maybe it just signifies the start of a new era you know of a storyline ending of a storyline and starting of a new yeah know? i agree with pete yeah it's not like it's it, it, good, it's a good place to wrap the season because it sort of like put you like okay like they're fine. We can check back in with them later. But, like, I did feel like this was a shot. I felt like this would be, like, after the end of the series. Like, you know, like, 
Sort of like how at the end of Infinity War, Thanos is taking his rest on the planet. It sort of felt like that sort, same sort of shot. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, I feel like they're neighbors with Thanos. I was literally <laughs> about to say that. <laughs> yeah, right, so that's what that's it for the episode here. Let's get to the character draft here. Oh, here's, here's, my, here's my quick thing, Mike. Yes. You said it sounds like the end of the show, right? It said this, this felt like it would have been... It a, like the end of the show, like the end of the series, but was Infinity War the end of the saga? No. No. There you go. It was not here. Let's get to the character draft here. As we discussed here, the the Actrovso's Pete's official eliminated is a three three tie between Casca Reeves and Axe Wolves here. So we have a a dilemma here. And my and you want to hear my pitch as to why I think I I should win this over Nick. I feel like I know what you're sure. I think you're gonna say he's more impactful. He's much more impactful the storyline than Cosca Reeves. You could have put like a random girl, like a random woman in that in that scene. She would have had the exact same impact as Cosca Reeves. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, my defense for myself here is we're not drafting based on that. We're drafting based on that they're showing up. Like I put, I picked Black K because he picked Boba. I thought they might show up together, but obviously Boba is more impactful than Black K. Excuse me, than Black K. Yeah, I feel like there's like. Like we we had a reason for Axe to be there. We didn't really have a reason for Costco to be there in the end. But I, you're not you're not you're not you're not selling me. But I'm not the one you need to sell anyway. So. Well, let me let me ask you this, Mike. Yeah. Was there a reason for Costco Reeves and Axe Woes in season two? I mean, Cosca like, was Reeves. it so? It, well, hang on. Was it so impactful that you guys had to pick them for the character draft, or you just thought, well, they're going to probably show up, so that's why I'm picking them. Yeah, this might so be. So if, if you're gonna, it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. It's a fair point. I will say this may be something we can build in here. We have to figure out a tiebreaker contingency for future character drafts. I think the tiebreaker goes to the loser. I think I win this one. You know, it was a good <laughs> fight, guys. I appreciate all the effort and the and the, and the fun. But I'll, I, well, I'll if you think about it, Pete, you do kind of. If we end this in a tie, you do kind of win because you have to buy it. Let's say we give this to me or give this to Mike. You got to buy that thing. If you don't, you don't have to buy anything. Um, I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think we should all get one. <laughs> we should all buy ourselves one, then. Yeah, yeah, why not? We'll treat ourselves. All right, so we'll put that to the side here. We'll figure that out next week, who actually wins it, because we get to say, you know, this is... But I, I will say this, what we should be doing, which is silly that we haven't. I don't know how what your guys' Funko collection looks like, but the prize for the Ahsoka show should be the Ahsoka Funko. I have one, probably probably a more recent one. I'm assuming. sure there's different ones. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. it's kind of silly that it's not. If you think about it, like that that should be the prize because that's what the show is. Like yeah. the trophy should be like this is what I won because of this show. <laughs> yeah, like this one that I happen to have sitting right here. Yeah, I'm sure they have more than just one, right? Yeah, yeah having a certain one as well. I'm sure they'll make more for the for her yeah, show. Yeah, based the show. on the show yeah. and who's in it, there'll probably be a Sabine and a Ezra and a Hera. So. The prize should be yeah. the, the chopper pop. Because I'm gonna lose it anyway. I don't know why I'm contributing for this. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll go for a chopper pop. Like, I have any freaking chance. Well, I mean, you 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 almost won the Leia draft if they weren't if we didn't have the, the surprise Palpatine appearance in the in the finale. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. All right, so next up here, we go to our trackers. He will wrap up those for the season. Here, we're not going to talk about these at all next week. So, Nick. No Hondo, another live action show. Eighteen Hondos overall. Uh, we'll be we'll be seeing Hondo sooner rather than later, and I'm confident of that. I'm gonna call my shot here, Pete. That Hondos will get picked in the Ahsoka character draft. Sure, I think Hondo's gonna show up in like a movie. 
somewhere. That'll be fun. I think Honda's. I think Honda's definitely going to be in that draft. Yep. Next up here, Bo-Katan appears again. Twenty-one appearances here in P. I did call the shot season episode one of the season. Said that that the Katie Sackhoff guy main build meant she would basically be one of the main characters of the season. She basically yeah, was. I, it's fair. I think she did great in this show. So I uh, I kind of knew too once you said that that was going to be true. All right. Next up here, Nick for possibly the last time, the Dark Saber appears here. So nineteen Dark Sabers. Unless they go flashbacks, I don't think we're gonna see it again. Yeah, it's either going to be flashbacks or rebuilt or... Yeah, I think the over-under on total Darksaber appearances is 19 and a half. Yeah. We're at 19 now, so are you going to see it one more time? Yes or no? That's that's it. That's all we got. Yep. Next up here, live-action cameos here. I actually got updates again. It's 23 because we got R5 again and we got the Praetorian Guards again. So 23 live-action cameos for this show, Pete. I like it. I do like it very much. All right. Next up here, the animated cameos. Nick Bokatan ticks off again. So 15 live action cameos. Very nice. All right. Next up here, Pete, we didn't visit any, visit any planets since we went to visit Lizzo and Jack Flash. Still on 18 planets in the Mandoverse. Still totally fine with that. 24 chapters, 18 planets. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, 27. Yeah, yeah, you factor in Unfortunately. Next up here, uh, Nick, this is the way. Seven times this episode's up to 54 overall. Wow. A lot of times. Yeah. About two an episode, almost three, right? Yeah. Seven this episode is the high for a single episode of the season. All right. And you want to take a guess how many chapters did not have this is the way set in this season? I'll just say one. Yep. You want to guess which Chapter one? Chapter three. Three. No. Really? Not three? No, it said six it times was... in chapter three. Because remember, we hung up the car. In the Coruscant episode? No, it was the actually never said in the Jack Black Lizzo episode. Oh. Uh, oh, that one. Yep. Uh, next really? Up, Even after they, like, noticed Bo-Katan was their leader? Well, I mean, that's, that group didn't really say this is the way, the, the other group. Uh, All right, next up here. Interesting. Uh, Pete. The Mando Jaws. I think we got to count this as a Jaws. He technically got paid in the droid head. He's starting to work for the New Republic. Sure. I'll count it. Have it off screen. Fine with that. Uh, next up here, Nick. Grogu eating. We got one more of those because he ate some uh, stuff at the bar. So we're going to go uh, 15 yeah. times Grogu's eating. Even I noticed that one. Yep. Last not least here, Pete. Named Mandalorians. We have the 45 overall. We did pick up this time. Bo-Katan again, Mando, the Armor, Ragnar, Axe, Casca, and Grogu. So, 45. Again, always great to hear that there's so many. I just wish that they had named some of these other people in the, in the series besides like our main eight people. I mean, yeah. main eight is better than main two, and then you don't know who everyone else is, so... At least we had a good amount. All right. Next up here, the MVP LVP board. These are the best and worst characters as rated by us over the course of the season here. So here's where we see after seven chapters of season three. Bo-Katan's on top of the board, plus seven. Mando, plus four. Moff Gideon, plus three. Elliot Kane, Grogu, and Carson Tava, plus two. Keller and Beck at plus one. That's the only positives. A lot of negatives. Pelimano, negative one. Dr. Pershing, Dr. Twi'lek, The Empire, Paz Vizla, all negative one. Bane, Commissioner Hogan, the Praetorian Guard, negative two. The New Republic is negative four, and the Armorer bring up the rear at negative five here. So 
I'm going to start the MVP sex week. I'm going to give Grogu the point this week because not only did we not mention, I didn't mention at the time how he saves their bacon in a similar manner to season seven and start season one where he saves uh, Mando and Cara Dune from being incinerated. He does it much better here with Mando and Bo-Katan. Plus, like, with he does not get Mando out in the first place. Like, I don't think any of them live. So, like, great job, Grogu. He gets an MVP point from me. So, Pete, where are you going? Kind of torn. Um, I'm going to give it to Axe Woves. Uh, I know that might be a little bit of wild card, but he literally flies through the storm and the atmosphere to get to a ship to evacuate that ship and get Bo-Katan the reinforcements she needs and then crashes and jumps out of the of the of the uh cruiser ship yep. um pretty much defeating quote-unquote Moff Gideon I, I give him the MVP I think he was crucial to this episode yeah plus he had you gotta give him points for the solar power jetpack yeah the hybrid yep I'm telling you the miles per gallon on that thing is is incredible uh Nick your MVP I'm going to give it to Mando. I think he fought like a badass. He was John Wick Mando, Mando Wick. And he, yeah, all the fighting was great. He, he, he won. All right. He deserves his time off. He does. He well-earned rest for Mando. Let's go the other way. Who's the LV of the week, Pete? Um, I think I'm going to give it to the Praetorian Guards. I just... They need to learn how to fight, and I also think it's hysterical how they just pop out of nowhere like they've just been waiting, like just on the <laughs> sideline until someone says, okay, you're in, boys, and they just kind of like walk in in slow-mo, and everyone's like, oh, these are the badass guys, and they just they can't defeat a small little Grogu who's just doing backflips. So uh, I'll give them the, even though they're super cool, I have to give them the LVP. Uh, Nick, who are you going with? I'm definitely alone on this one. I'm giving the MV, the LVP rather to the mouse droid. The mouse droids. The mouse droid, the one individually, the first one. <laughs> so because mouse- he goes over, he sees Darfai messing with the terminal, he puts his sirens on, he goes to get help, and what does he come back with? More mouse droids? <laughs> That's it? He didn't get anyone to come and help? <laughs> That's why I'm giving him the LVP. I thought that was ridiculous. He didn't go and get like anyone, like any of the people around, any of the troopers, like help us out. There's a droid here. I'm gonna get more mouse droids, and then we're, he's just gonna fly away. He went back in his hole and said, "Hey, you, you five mouse droids who are just like hanging out at the droid bar, come hang out, come with me. We'll go stop this big." Yeah, big it was very, very, very much against that. All right, I'm gonna ding Gideon here because for Nick's point, he pointed out here, like, how the hell did he let his entire base of clones get destroyed by having by by a guy he was tracking? That's not a good look on Moff Gideon here. Plus, he pro- plus like, I guess he destroyed the Darks here, but he does end up like dying because he's not prepared for what's going on here. So, LVP Moff Gideon. Can, can I just add something about Moff Gideon that I forgot to touch upon? Sure. I really like that when he talks in the suit, it sounds like Kylo Ren. I actually think that's super cool. I think that it shows what we're going to see in the future. Yeah, so mo- um, voice modulation. Yeah, I think that's super cool. All right, next up here, the grades for the episode. We're grading on a scale of 1 to 10. 1's worth the seventy eight holiday special. 10 is up there with the prison episode of Andor because of the best live-action Star Wars content here. Nick, you can lead off the grades this week. I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. thought it was fantastic. It's, it was, was it as good as Chapter 16? No. Was it as good as Chapter 14? No. 
But does it get much better? No. I'm going eight and a half. I really enjoyed it. I think there were the plot holes did bother me a little bit. I wish that this was a little longer because I think like 35 minutes like like of finale I don't think is long enough for a show like this. I feel like we could have had more time to, you know, like build out some tension here. I'm going to give it an eight and a half for that reason here. So, Pete, where are you going? I'm going to be uh, giving it a 9.5. I know I'm high on this one. Um, I think compared to the rest of the season, it was the best episode of the season, in my opinion. Um, and I've given other episodes a 9, so I, I'm just going to bump it up a little bit. It's not a perfect 10. Because like Nick said, we had a lot better episodes in different seasons when it comes to The Mandalorian, but I'm as high as a 9.5 right now. All right, so that's it for the season right now. Next week we're going – that's it for the positive. I feel like next week's going to be a lot of negative coming up here where we do the uh, seasons all. I feel like we're going to let the frustration we had with the, the season as a whole come out next week, Nick. That is correct. That could be a doozy because there's a lot of, you know, like issues. I Like there were some good things in here for sure, but like whether it's pacing, story choices, back you can remove an entire episode and not really miss anything. I feel like that's a problem. Uh, Agreed. I'm going to I'm going to say stay tuned for that because I'm going to try to defend why it was a good season, except for the pacing. Pacing was terrible, but I have a reason why the pacing's terrible. But I'm actually going to try to defend why it was a good season. I'm usually the negative one. I'm going to try to be the positive one this time. Yeah, I thought you were going to compare it to more Book of Boba Fett, which is sort of like what I thought you were going at the top of here. <laughs> no, I, I. everyone tune in next week to see what my angle is. And we'll talk off the air, too, just so you guys are prepared, obviously, with our rundown and stuff. But I, I actually think that there's a lot of positives here that work for the season. I just think that the pacing was due to a problem with off, out-of-content uh, issues, if I can call it that. Merchandising issues. Merchandising issues, throwing a character back in after he was written off the, the season and trying to make it all work. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like if that didn't happen, we'd be talking a lot or a lot of people would be talking a lot higher. They were holding this, excuse me, the season to a higher regard than it is being right now. So like I said, tune in next week. Make sure you're subscribed so you can hear that podcast and see why I think this season has a positive spin on it. Absolutely. So I want to thank you guys for coming on here. As always, I appreciate it. Pete, if you want to follow on social media, I can do that. At PJ Constantori 29, the Rangers are in the playoffs playing the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we won game one. We, like I was playing, the New York Rangers won game one, five to one at Prudential Center. Game two coming up tomorrow, time of the week. Recording. It's tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, so, uh, excuse me, tomorrow, Thursday. So, definitely uh, tune into the Rangers. The Islanders are also playing, um, and also the New York Knicks. We got a bunch of New York teams that are that are playing in the playoffs. So, definitely a cool time for New York. Absolutely. Here, Nick. One more time. You want to follow us on the social media? I can do that. At Sky Guys Podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Yep. You can also follow me on Twitter. Mphilips three three one. It's M P H I L I P S three three one. This is called the Justin Suffering Podcast. We look. We took a moment here to catch up on the NHL playoffs. I was joined by a good friend of the podcast, uh, Christopher, not the Mad Dog Russo. We broke, took a deep dive into the uh, New York playoff series here, Pete. So a lot of fun talking hockey. It's always fun talking hockey. I'm excited to listen to that. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm a bad listener. I know. I apologize, guys. But definitely take a look at it. I know Mike's podcast. I know his sports I know he definitely goes in depth on these on these playoff runs, so you definitely need to check that out. That sounds good as well. We'll be back next week with a special guest. We're pretendably announcing Mike Bresch here unless something pop changes because he's been the traditional guest here, Nick, in these spots. 
Yeah, he said he'll be around, so excited to have him. Really excited to have him here. That's it for us this week. We'll be back next week to sort of break down season three as a whole. Get set up here for what we can see in seasons four and beyond. Until then, may the force be with you.